Are you a fan of horror movies that feature decapitations, brutal stabbings, and relentless murderous pursuers? Well, why waste money on a movie ticket for only a few hours of murder when you can visit sunny South Sudan? If you're tired of the same old tropes on screen, reinvigorate your love of horror by witnessing the utter depravity of human evil that can only be found in Civil War. That's South Sudan. It's horrible here. Hello and welcome to Horror Movie Talk. An opinionated and accidentally funny horror movie review show. Go, 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 go. Also review older horror movies, both good and horrible. Wow, that didn't sound good. Hey, howdy, everyone. Hello. Did you sit on your balls again? <laughs> I'm Dr. Bryce Hansen. I hold a PhD in spookology, and my friend over here is Professor David Day. I'm the foremost expert in scare. No knows. So we're experts. So you can trust us and our opinions. And this is a horror movie review show. Yeah. And um, if you're new to the show, please check out our website, horrormovietalk.com. There you'll find links to all our social media and you can contact us. The old episodes, we post new episodes every Wednesday. If you like or hate the show, leave us a voicemail at 682 253 Six eight. We've got a great show today. This is one of those where you don't hear a lot about a movie, but you hear people tell you, "Hey, this one's actually really good," and you watch it, and it this came out. It of blows out your your expectations. This came out of left field and just took my heart away. It was I mean, like, we, fuck yeah. you, David. <laughs> fuck you. And I was like, oh, oh. when you. When you have people like hounding you for watching Rats Night of Terror, it's hard to see your it's, it's hard, hard to, to see the forest to, from the trees. Yeah, it's hard to take like <laughs> suggestions from from <laughs> listeners or even people that you trust. Yeah. Like, no, who this is actually good. You'd who, love it. Who suggested this to you? This was Dustin. Yeah, Dustin's always got I I'll take Dustin's takes yeah, every time. Dustin also suggested Possessor, which was fantastic. Yeah, Possessor's I'd say that's my favorite movie of this year. That's even better than The Invisible Man. Mm, I don't know. I, I really loved The Invisible Man. That's fair. It's a great movie, but I think I think the Possessor eked it out. But to be honest with you, this one's this one's pretty brutal too. This yeah. one's great. Um. So are, yeah, like ninety percent of the recommendations are we want you to watch this movie to see you be miserable. Yeah, while you like, talk about it, it's, like, it's not. It's entertaining, I'm sure, but it's not fun for us. Yeah, and the numbers don't show it as being yeah. the best. Like, it's obviously not something everybody wants. It's something <laughs> you want. Um, but we got to give the fans what they want. So what um, are we reviewing today? We're reviewing His House. Yeah. We'll start out by giving a brief review and our score for the movie. We score on a scale of 1 to 10, 1 being a miserable dredge. What makes you angry? 5 being an average film that hits all the expected marks, and 10 being so good it transcends genre boundaries. After we give our score, we'll get into spoilers and take a deeper dive into what we liked and hated about the film. And then later on, 
You've been asking for it. You love it. We're going to play our favorite game. No way. Horror porno. You got it ready. Wow. I got it ready. Look at you. I'm so excited. Now I'm now I'm amped. <laughs> I was in a pretty dark place at the start of this episode, let me tell you. And now I'm I'm almost feel like a human again. Yeah. Wow. So we watched his house on Netflix, and as you might understand from what we're saying, it blew me away. It's only available. It seems to be only available on Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah it's it- one of those that it would have been in theaters and would have been recognized. Yeah. If it weren't for COVID, because it was it was at Sundance and then like, or Sundance or Cannes, I can't remember one of those film festivals, and it got some attention, and then. Features, you know, the world shut down. And so it got on Netflix. It features um, one of the Doctor Whos. Yeah, Matt Smith. Yeah. Boy, I got some pain in my chest right now. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I felt it in the car on the way over here. And um, it's the same thing. It feels like a stabbing, like right near my um, heart. Like right near my heart. <laughs> uh, how's your left arm feel? Does your left arm hurt? Um, no. Okay, you're fine. Okay. You're fine. It's probably just a panic attack. I wouldn't worry about it. Okay. All right. <clears throat> Let's listen to the trailer. Congratulations. You're being released as asylum seekers. Not as citizens, not yet. You will be sent to a home of our choosing. You must not move from this address. We are good people. Whether or not you're good people, it's not me that needs convincing. It's a palace. This entire house is just for us. It's going to be nice. You're going to be happy. As long as you can get along, fit in, be one of the good ones. This is our home. All I can taste is the metal. We'll get used to it. Like we said, his house can be found on Netflix. Um, it tells the story of two Sudanese, South Sudanese, yes. I'm assuming. South Sudanese. Uh, Sudan refugees. is just north of there. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I realized as I was writing up that ad, wait, wait a minute, there's two different countries. Mm-hmm. There's Sudan and South Sudan. How how much of a ego hit is the fact that your country is named after another? It's one thing to have like a state, like mm. North and South Carolina yeah. or West Virginia and Virginia, but an entire country, like a nation. How about a whole continent? Like, well, South America? We're south of... <laughs> Yeah, 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 shut up. <laughs> South America, get out of here. <laughs> it's all about the North Americans. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, tells the story of two South Sudanese refugees, Rial, um, Rial, Rial? Rial. Uh, I don't know, it's kind of, it, I thought she, he, he, she was called Ria. For the long well, he time. kept saying "real, real." Um, yeah. I we can't, I can't really, I'm, I can't do their um, yeah. accent mm. justice. No, I want you to try. Um, played by Wunmi Mosaku and Bol, uh, played by Sope Dirisu. Dirisu. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm Sope. So sorry. Maybe it's soap. Soapy. Oh. <laughs> They arrive in the UK after a perilous journey. After a stay in a detention center, they're granted asylum and a new place to live, which they are assured isn't just a shithole, it's a palatial shithole. (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) The guy's like, this place is bigger than my house. I'm like, who cares how big it is if it's shitty? Well, yeah, it's a lot bigger when you break out all of the drywall and it's open. You know, they have an open concept, yeah, whereas really you know, all the walls are open. Um, they're given a set of rules that all refugees are given to maintain their status, that being they're only to live off the meager wage the government provides and to not seek employment. Because why would you want someone to be productive? And to definitely not move away from their apartment. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, my wife, my wife had to ask that question as we were watching this as well. She's like, why wouldn't they want to seek employment? And I I think it has something to do with the fact that um, England is a um, is a socialist country and um, therefore they have pretty strong immigration laws. And uh, and you can't just um, you can't just show up to a, uh, a country that is has a largely socialist uh, backbone because everybody pays a tremendous amount of taxes and they expect certain things from those. And if you just let anybody in to get all that free stuff, then my point is, I think this, that while they are in this sort of um, holding period, it's kind of like a, a trial period. Yeah. It's a trial period or kind of like purgatory almost. Mm-hmm. It's like, we just got to figure out. You're not a citizen yet. We're we're giving you a shot. Like you got to assimilate basically into mm-hmm. our society. And if it doesn't work out, you're out of here. So like, don't put down roots here. Yeah, and I mean it's very different in the U.S. We'll I don't take know if care it- of your needs, your basic needs, but like <laughs> not you're not getting like the writs here. <laughs> Have you ever seen the documentary Lost Boys of of uh, Sudan? Or South Sudan. I don't, know. Um, I don't think so. I think I. I think I started it. It was um, really sad and horrific, wasn't it? Um, Am I, I think? I I'm thinking it. of an army of kids. No, you're thinking of a Vice documentary. Mm. I'm. I'm. There's a documentary of 
um, of showing the the asylum seeker process specifically for these um, these orphaned boys from Sudan, mm. South Sudan, whichever one. Um, they're well, I mean, we know they're the same, right? Um, <laughs> I don't know anything. So, uh, and it shows their process of of uh, being refugees in the U.S. Um, mm-hmm. Just like from the refugee camp in Africa, being able to come over to the U.S. and from from what it looks like with the U.S. policy is similar. They're given a place to stay. They're giving given an income, but then they're like told like you got to find a job within two months or like you got to be able to support yourself because yeah. this this gravy train ends in in a certain amount of time. Yeah, I would think every country has a different spin yeah. on it. You know. So anyways, they um, are set up there. The couple who have definitely seen some shit start seeing shit in the apartment. Um, Soon it's apparent that there is an evil force preying on them. So without hyperbole, this is one of the best horror movies I have ever seen. Wow. I'm reminded of my experience with Hereditary, where leaving the theater, I asked myself, how is this director so good on his first film and where the hell did he come from? Like Ari Aster was so f- that hereditary yeah. was so fully formed and confident, yeah, that it blew me away. That like this was not a veteran director. Yeah, yeah it's it's a it's a shocking and um, and very telling piece of like uh, it's it's like watching a kid who's just a uh, got a gift right for some sort of sport or some sort of physical talent. And you're like, he could do anything he wants with that. Right. Um, so, yeah. He can, he can sink, he can sink a three pointer every time. You know? Yeah. So the director, Remy Weeks, um, he's a UK director and, and yeah, this is his first full feature length film. He's done some shorts before, but man, it really blew me away. The main difference between hereditary and this film is that I don't think I've ever seen a horror movie like his house before. I mean, sure, at its core, it's a haunted house movie, but the aesthetic and the subject material are uniquely new to me. Like, specifically, like, a refugee experience and, like, kind of the cultural, um, the cultural horror concepts of, of that culture. Um, it feels like it's, it's another experience. Yes, that's true. Yeah, you know how um how like Japanese horror has a very specific yes, vibe. Right. Yeah, this has a very specific vibe and it's a cultural vibe. Yeah. Um and uh and I mean it's, it's not like completely foreign. I no. mean it's not like you can't not that you can't relate. And it's very obvious in and listening to interviews of of Remy Weeks like he loves the same movies that I do. I mean, he's very into haunted house movies mm-hmm. and so he like yeah. cites the shining the you know house on haunted hill um the haunting of hill house mm-hmm. lots of hills and houses <laughs> and <laughs> you know the innocence like all, all these really um tried and true haunted house movies like he has a, a respect for him but the difference is like this feels like it has a unique voice watching hereditary it's like it's you know, kind of like what Quentin Tarantino does is just stealing whole cloth from other, um, you know, uh, 
things Mo- that movies worked. movies from previous decades like hereditary is rosemary's baby it's right. like not it's like hard to say that it's not almost exactly like rosemary's baby mm-hmm. like at least half of it is yeah down to a lot of the imagery yeah and then it's accentuated by like ari aster's um flair for drama and like f- family tragedy kind of thing mm-hmm. um but yeah, this is this is different. It feels it feels completely new to me. Uh, the best horror movies, in my opinion, are those that have a human core that focus on character and relationships while drawing a line to real horrors that people experience every day. Yeah. So Rosemary's Baby uses the fear of the unknown and social pressure during a pregnancy. The Exorcist uses the terror of having an undiagnosable, uh, severely sick child. The Shining uses Jack Nicholson. In in this film, it uses the lived experience of refugees of war-torn countries and the trauma associated with it. Yeah, it's um it's really a one-two punch. It's 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 got the scary stuff, but then it has the real right. the real <laughs> the stuff. Real scary stuff. That's uh that's much scarier than the supernatural scary stuff. The uh the humanity um, component that uh, and like the a, horrific shit that happens in the world and it's yeah how how evil people can be to each other these people have witnessed already yes and, and this and isn't even a, this isn't even a this is like the blowback from that evil right. it's not even about that evil right it's just like what you will become. When you see too much shit. Yeah. I mean, there's a great line um, that Rial has where she's confronting Bull. She's such such a great actress. Yeah. Like, if this had... uh, If... Like, this... uh, It wouldn't surprise me if she got some sort of nod from the Academy or from the Golden Globes. Yeah, I think think this is going to get some attention do you in, like in awards. it wouldn't surprise me it, it checks all the boxes and she is a phenomenal actress like it's the i mean horror movies to get no get no love but the ones that in recent memory that have gotten some attention are similar to this of like yeah really commenting on um social justice or like a real you know horror yeah and i uh, and i mean just to be super honest about it, i mean black horror has made a massive i mean you know with get out um kind of leading the charge i mean it's become yeah. the new hot shit thing and it's been done really well instead yeah. of being instead of you know just like exploitation weird like yeah. blackula bullshit Mm-hmm. Hey, don't knock on Black. You know. Black I'm not. No, I'm just. It's the only one that comes to mind. Um, anyway, she says a real like a great line. She says, after all we've seen, you think I'd be afraid of ghosts? Yeah. It's like and she's not either. Yeah. Um, so this is exactly the type of storytelling that the horror genre excels at. I mean, I'm I'm using like really general um you know, review language. Cause like, I think this is a really great film that's going to stand for a while for me, at least anyways, the, it's a type of storytelling that horror genre excels at. It amplifies real human emotions and fears to the level of overload resulting in a uniquely empathetic experience. I'm really excited to talk about the movie and, and excited to see what Remy weeks, the director will do next. My score 
is 10 out of 10. I think I think it transcends genre boundaries. I think like I it's unique. I was scared. I like jumped several times. I also cried. Like I felt a lot of emotions coming out of this movie and it it was it's going to stick with me for a while. Yeah. <sighs> so, and I don't do that lightly. You know, there's not many I mean, the classic movies I give 10 out of 10, maybe. Right. I think, so the thing I'm struggling with right now is um, it was so unpleasant um, in a a way that really makes you um, kind of take stock of yourself and of humans. Right. You know, it kind of forces your eye to the thing that you would never want to look at. Um, that it was an, a truly unpleasant experience for me, you know, in not in necessarily a gratuitous way. Like I hear um, a Serbian film or, um, you know, some of these um, very exploitative films i spit on your grave um that kind of thing it's more um it just leaves a bad taste in my mouth that uh i would prefer not to have to confront um (laughs) okay and um and you know that speaks a lot to it I don't think I enjoyed it to the tune of a 10, but I, but uh, on the other hand, you're definitely right. Um, it does, it obviously transcends. I mean, at about the halfway mark, it begins to very obviously transcend the horror genre. Um, you go, oh, th- this is, this is commentary on, on what it is to be human and also, um, all the good and all the bad and like, oh, it's, um, it's very rough. And then, and then it's got some triumph in it, you know? Yeah. Um, so you're right. It does transcend. I definitely agree. It does transcend the horror genre. Um, I don't know that it'll be a classic. Yeah. I mean, that's fair. I don't think and that I don't, I did not enjoy it to the tune of a 10. So whatever that makes it, I guess I'll say those words about it. Like I, I feel like it sits right around a nine or a ten, but um, it was it was truly truly unpleasant for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and and uh, if you're someone who doesn't like that feeling, you could benefit from watching this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, like like this is one of those things where. The teacher assigns something to you and you're like, oh, what's this piece of shit? And then it ends up changing your life and you're like, yeah, but I had to read it, Yeah, you know, and it's like, yeah, I mean, it's, it's one of those things that it is, I think it is life affirming at the end. In the oh, end, yeah. it's very, yes, it's triumphant. I wouldn't say, yeah, it's triumphant. I wouldn't say it's uplifting. No, but it's, yeah, it's, but uh, it's real. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It's real in the way that life is real. It's, uh, it's, it's know, like the, it's, it's no a, storybook ending. It's, this is how you deal with shit and move forward. Yeah. It's very much kind of a hero's journey kind of thing where the, the protagonists are changed at the end. Like yeah. they're not, they're not the same and they're, they can never go back to what they were. Right. And that's, that's an important thing to, 
to see, and that's an important you know story to tell. Yeah. Um, okay. So let's get into our mid roll. Looking for the ultimate stocking stuffers this holiday season? Look no further, because our sponsors, Manscaped, have the tools to make the, this year's stocking stuffer or white elephant competition. Manscaped is the only brand dedicated to below-the-waist grooming and hygiene products. And, great news, they just released their products across Europe and Canada and Australia. Put some more nuts on the bobby. So all our UK listeners in Australia and uh, I guess Canada, we have we have some Canada listeners. Oh yeah, we just had one call the other day, Josh. Um, so you know we we've got the uh, perfect package um, sent to us, which includes the lawnmower 3.0. Oh, that's great. Which we both love. We've I love the um, the LED light on it. To where it sends a bat signal of my pubes as I'm shaving them off. In the dark. In the dark. You, you, you yeah, sit I have in a to blacked do out room. Yeah. And... <laughs> <laughs> no one's in here. Um, What's that buzzing? It's nothing. But not, I mean, think about not only if you're a man, if you're a female, um, you're going to enjoy the products and it's the ideal time to get them for your spouse or yourself. You're going to be spending money for the holiday season. Let's be honest. You, so you so can... here's our, a few products that are prime stocking stuffers. There's the crop preserver. It's a ball deodorant. The name speaks for itself. The crop reviver, ball toner, a spray on toner that will give your balls a little slice of heaven with their aloe vera and hazel extracts. Mm. Crop cleanser body wash. You wash your balls. Crop mop, <laughs> ball wipes, foot duster, foot deodorant. And of course, the lawnmower 3.0, the trimmer that offers replacement ceramic blades with advanced skin safe technology, which helps reduce grooming accidents. All these formulations of all their products are vegan, cruelty free, dye free, sulfate free, and paraben free. So you know the products are legit. And for our listeners, get 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com with code HMT. Whether this is for your partner, dad, brother, friend, get them something that they will actually use and almost sure, and it's almost sure to get a laugh because balls. <laughs> so again, get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com with code HMT. Be the ballsiest gift giver this year with Manscaped. Check in, chew up, tune out. OK Drugs Peach Eatables are the perfectly calming remedy for those seeking a gentle easing of worry. I know I need a gentle easing of worry this year. Man, CBD is, but like, especially the edibles that, that are, you know, they require no smoking or anything like that. And then they just lull you in to this nice state of relaxed muscles right before bed. That's my favorite time to take yeah. And these are gummies. I can't imagine a better way to take edibles then well they taste good okay drugs gummies and they help, go down fast yeah <laughs> helps you shift perspectives elevate experiences and find clarity in crazy uh peach eatables are vegan thc free made with broad spectrum cbd not any of that narrow spectrum shit that's this shit. is a full all, all the colors of the rainbow of cbd that's right uh to help relax and l-theanine do you know what L-theanine is? I would ditch that. Theanine? Uh, it's it's written down here, so it's important. 
L-theanine to help you stay focused. Focused and relaxed. Feels like. Do you get focused and relaxed when you take CBD? Um, not me. Well, I guess I don't lose focus. There's no change in my focus. Okay. Well, this helps you. Well, that's good. Stay focused. The Lord knows I could use more focus. Order your feel-good fix and use promo code HORROR to get 10% off today. Go to okdrugs.co, use promo code HORROR, that's H-O-R-R-O-R, to get 10% off your first order today. Um, also, if you want to support the show directly, go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash horrormovietalk. We've got a great um, community of super fans there um, that talk to each other, that enjoy the perks that we have there. Um, probably the most um, desirable one or the one that people enjoy most universally is the Afterpod, where we leave the mics running after the regular podcast and just talk about our lives and stuff. Yeah. And people get to know us a little better. It's great. Um and they also, at a level, you get to vote on uh, movies that we watch every month. Um, you get one one movie a month as a pa- group of patrons to su- submit to a submit us to is uh, like Rat's Night of Terror. Thanks Ugh. a lot. Um, also, you know, go to our website. There's a link at the top for Amazon. If you click through on that Amazon Amazon link on our website while you're doing your holiday shopping, we'll get a little slice of that. So if you're going to do a lot of holiday shopping um, during COVID season and, and avoiding the stores, make sure to click through the button in our banner. Um, also, COVID-19! <laughs> also, um, if you... Uh, know people that are fans of Horror Movie Talk, give them the gift that they'll love with Horror Movie Talk branded t-shirts at the Horror Movie Talk sh- uh, shop on HorrorMovieTalk.com. Also, please, as always, check out our resident artist, Dustin Goble. He's a professional artist who fucks hard. He also takes commissions for artwork from HMT fans, and he has t- taken commissions from hmt fans so i appreciate you those of you that have reached out to him really helps him out he contact him at dgobble 0 on instagram that's at d-g-o-e-b-e-l-0-0 on instagram and make your artistic dreams come true tell him hmt saying if you want to leave us a voicemail again the number is 682-253-4468 thanks again for listening let's get into spoilers Spoilers. Okay, spoilers. <laughs> so yeah, we've already talked a lot about this movie, but let's get into some of the details. So it starts out with them. Um, does not show a lot of their escape. Um, it keeps it pretty close to the vest, but we're seeing them um, on a boat and or on a truck with their daughter. and Quickly turns into a boat. Quickly turns into a boat, quickly turns to them in a detention center. and Well, there's some drowning, like there's some splashing. Yeah, there's some splashing. It's not clear. It's very but unclear. But when, when it gets to the detention center, they don't have their daughter with them anymore. So they're, they're lo- they lost their daughter, Nyagak, on the journey. Quite a name. Nyagak. Yeah. Nyagak. Nyagak. Yeah. Nyagak? Remember that Nickelodeon... Um, Slime stuff Gak. that you could buy at the store called Gak. Uh huh. Yeah. I all I just thought of that the whole time. I was like, I wonder if you can get it out of your hair. New Gak. Uh, uh, new and new and improved Gak. Uh, man, like 
that slime stuff is all the rage with kids right now. It's it's amazing. It's so disappointing. Yeah. It's everywhere in my stupid house. What's this on what's this fucking cum shit on my carpet? <laughs> Somebody, well, it's, not, it's not cum. Is somebody coming pink glitter on my carpet? <laughs> no, Dad. It's just my gack. <laughs> um, so they're in a detention center, and then they get called out uh, to a panel of very apathetic white people, uh, caseworkers, and are told that they've been selected to live in purgatory. Yeah. <laughs> And they're they're told that they'll get a seventy five pound a week income. Um, that they don't they should not seek employment to get um, more income, and they're to live in the house that they're assigned. So it's pretty, yeah. It's kind of draconian, like guidelines for like, oh, you want to live here? Well, we'll make sure you feel miserable and have have no power to change it. And then if you stick it out, you can become a citizen, which, you know, it's uh, immigration when, when you talk about it is pretty, pretty messy. Yeah. And and I mean, why would it be easy? You know, I mean, I, I don't know anything about it, but it seems like at the core of it, it's complicated. Like, yeah, the the uh, unspoken understanding is that. These people have seen it all before, and they've seen people that just will not fit into the culture. Because these are asylum seekers. They're asylum seekers from a different culture, a different country, and just some of them aren't going to cut it. Not just a different culture in a different country. We're talking worlds apart in culture. Yeah. These South Sudan, like as we get later into the story, we learn that South Sudan is comprised, essentially, of two tribes. There are, I mean, there are... There's nothing akin to tribes in, uh -huh. in Great Britain. Um, and so this is just, I mean, and we see it's great. I love how this movie shows the cultural differences just kind of subtly. I mean, it's uh -huh. subtly, but it's not so subtle in, in, you know, just their actions in, um, in, in her actions specifically, yeah. um, where she's, you know, every time they sit down to eat, she sits on the floor and yeah. she uses, she gets a little bit of bread and uses the bread to, to scoop up some of the other food, whereas he is trying very hard to assimilate with his fork and his knife. And he doesn't quite know how to use the fork and knife. Right, yeah. He's like... Stabbing. I don't know. They, they move the knife a lot. Right. And he doesn't know what they're doing, so he's just kind of stabbing at it a lot. Yeah. Like, kick, 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 kick. Yeah. Like, All right. Maybe... Yeah. Just myrtleizing whatever is in that bowl. Yeah. Um, yeah. That, that was one of the things with the uh, documentary uh, Lost Boys of South Sudan. Um, I did see that, and they went to like Montreal or something. They went to all over, like the north, the uh, the Midwest, northern Midwest, and yeah, in, Montreal like, in, in Canada. Yeah, in like America <laughs> and Canada, though. I thought I thought some of them w I don't know ended if they up went in Canada. Canada. But yeah, the, the real interesting part was yeah. like realizing how far apart the worlds were because they just you you see like oh they don't know how society works right like they don't yes like and they and just little tiny things of like of you know the the social worker like this is how you work a dishwasher or like this is water you use it to clean yourself kind of thing you yeah. know it's like uh it's and and like the seeing them like use products that aren't 
supposed to be used in a certain way or yeah. something. Like they're using like I can't remember like a like vegetable oil or something as moisturizer. Mm-hmm. It's like, huh? Like they just. It's very hard for someone to fit in that has no no compass point of reference yeah. for like anything. Right. Yeah, it's it's um, but when you see him like and you get to know him like some of the greatest people oh like my God. super optimistic like just super willing to to like make their lives better and and be a benefit to society it's just really hard you know it's kind of and don't take this the wrong way it's kind of like it's a lo- there's a low key example of this in America and it's Utah like it's Mormons I'm listening. Kind of. Like, I remember as a kid, like, introducing my Mormon friends to certain things that they were just like, what? Like, they were just, they were just, they were just blown away by. And I'd be like, yeah. They're like, this is rated R movie. And they're like, this is a pussy. <laughs> they, like, this is a rated R movie. And they'd be like, what does that mean? And, oh, and I'd be like, no, come on. How, t- how innocent is your Mormon friend? Well, this was probably second or third grade, but. Okay. But nevertheless, it was like, it was watching them. It was, it was just like the, the intro scene in, in 2001 Space Odyssey. Every time they were so innocent and, uh, <laughs> and, and just, uh, like just eager to soak it up, you know? It was right. Like, huh. You're really from a different little culture, aren't you? Yeah. I mean, I remember. And being, me back at them, me being like, so what do you believe? Cause I believe in Jesus. And they're like, I believe in Jesus too. But there's seven plant, but there's like a bunch of planets and some stuff. You get stars every time you have a kid. And I'm like, go on. <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> you get a star like in the sky. And they're like, yeah, I mean, you might not be able to see it, but it's there in heaven. And I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Mm, I don't know. You know, yeah, this is this is little kid me interpret. You know, yes, again, yes, exactly. you know, this is me being like, what? Uh? Yeah. Um. I mean, I remember when I was a little kid hanging around Kevin and his brothers, and I would just titter with laughter whenever they swore. <laughs> I was like, yes. they said shit. <laughs> it was just such a novelty to me that people swore. I it just made me laugh so hard. And then yeah, getting exposed to like. I mean, I think we watch rated R movies pretty young. Our my, our family was not as yeah. conservative as the most conservative Mormons. Um, my I mean, dad definitely- coming home drunk every single night, <laughs> and and little Andrew being like, "What's the matter with him?" I was like, "What do you mean? <laughs> Why is your dad falling over? <laughs> Why is he so happy? What do you mean, Andrew? How, what's it like at your house? Go over to his house. People are playing checkers at night, and I'm like, what "The shit is this?" And he's like. Ee! <laughs> he said shit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely if you've ever had the experience of being around people that um are exposed to a completely different culture or yeah. completely different experiences, it's it's Novel. a really it's a really important human experience to realize like, oh, oh, my way is not the only way. My experience is not the only valid human experience and they're not wrong. No. There's for not no, knowing. There's no right or wrong. They're not dumb for not knowing things. Yeah. It's just like they, it's not in their life. It's just different. Yeah. Like I've never been in a strip club. That's weird. And I don't care to go. You'd care. I, if I, you went. I don't. You'd care. <laughs> I would be so uncomfortable. 
and I know Jason's going to make a meme out of this now, <sighs> but I, I just, I would get no pleasure out of it because it'd be like, oh, you want to experience the most frustrating experience in the world? No, thanks. That's club. every night at my house. <laughs> hey, oh, <Hey-o. laughs> fucking kill me. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, what were the you, you said you had a, a list of travel guidelines for South oh, Sudan that yeah. you wanted to. Yeah. Read? So as I was watching the movie, I was like, I wonder how bad South Sudan really is. So I looked up the travel advisories. <laughs> Turns out. Um, pretty on bad. Travel.state.gov, which is a good place to look before you go places. And here are some of the things that that page has to say about South Sudan. Violent crime such as carjackings, shootings, ambushes, assaults, robberies, and kidnappings is common throughout South Sudan, including Juba. Foreign nationals have been the victims of rape, sexual assault, armed robberies, and other violent crimes. Armed conflict is ongoing and includes fighting between various political and ethnic groups. Weapons are readily available to the population. In addition, cattle raids occur (laughs) occur throughout the country and often leads to violence. So watch out for them rustlers. Um... (laughs) Reporting in South Sudan without the proper documentation from the South Sudanese media authority is considered illegal, and any journalistic work there is very dangerous. Journalists regularly report being harassed in South Sudan, and many have been killed while covering the conflict. (sighs) Okay, now here are some interesting points if you decide to travel to South Sudan. Um, Take an AK. Avoid uh, travel along border areas. Avoid demonstrations and public gatherings. Even events intended to be peaceful can become violent. Be aware that photography in public is strictly controlled and you are required to obtain authorization from the Ministry of Information. It's always bad if your country has a, a place called the Ministry of Information before taking any photographs or video in public, including while inside a vehicle. Um... So then the final point that I want to share, where is it? Oh, here we go. Wait. Well, be sure to appoint one family member to serve as a point of contact. This is before you go. Be sure to appoint one family member to serve as the point of contact with hostage takers, media, U.S. Mm-hmm. and host country government agencies mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. members of Congress if you are taken hostage or detained. Um, discuss a plan with love before you go. To South Sudan. This is one of the top bullet points. Uh uh Discuss a plan with loved ones regarding care slash custody of children, pets, property, belongings, non-liquid assets, like collections, artwork, etc., and funeral wishes. Yeah. So, make sure you write your will before you Prepare to die. Because it is a real possibility. Yeah. I don't know why anyone wanted to leave. Um, so yeah, so after they're given this, um, opportunity, a slightly less apathetic caseworker, um, Matt played by Matt Smith takes them to their house, <clears throat> shows them around. <laughs> it's laughably, it's a, it's a laughable shithole. Cause like, it was like, oh, it's great. It's huge. You get the whole place to yourself. Normally you'd get a much smaller place with a lot more people living in it. Yeah. But this is all to yourself. It's a. 
it's a paradise and he like opens the door and the door like completely falls off the hinges onto the floor he's like oh shit well that needs to be fixed but like, everything right. else is just as crappy it's it's great just like there's very much a, a sense of you're on your own but you have to obey the rules because he the guy breaks, <laughs> he breaks the door like falls off the hinges he's like Okay, well, there's a hardware store down the road that you can get screws. So, I mean, just make sure you fix that up. And then continues to lead them through the house. And, you know, the walls have holes in them. And there's, like, old pizza that has cockroaches just completely covering it. And yeah. Just, he's like, oh, yeah, that stench. Ah, just open a window. That'll clear out right yeah, away. Yeah, it really can't be understated how gross this place is. Yeah. Let's just say that. There's holes in the wall. There's, I mean, there's, electricity doesn't work. Yeah, it's just, um, it's, it's essentially a roof over your head. Yeah, that's it. Um, so they're left to uh, be there, and there's a real emphasis on like, you know, fit in. Yeah, make it. E I think the original panel basically said, make it easy for people. Um, be one of the good ones. Right. And they say, we are we are good yeah, people. We're one of the good ones. He's we like, yeah, we've heard it. But just don't make waves. Assimilate. Right. You know, right. resistance is futile. Um, so almost immediately, the first night, Bull starts hearing like humming in the walls. And this is kind of the funnest part of a horror movie where nothing is obvious yet. You know, you hear kind of like a a little girl's humming. And there's so many horror movies with people living in the walls. It's like, oh, is this going to be someone living in the walls or is it like a neighbor or something? Yeah. And so he's looking. And the answer is yes. And, <laughs> and, uh, and then there's a great jump scare with a crow that flies out of the hole in the wall. I, I jumped. I don't know if you did, but. Yeah. Um, the, the movie does a good job of just maintaining this um this certain amount of tension that lends itself very well to i i mean you're in a strange place that you don't want to be it's gross and it's it's like quiet with the ambient noise of the neighborhood right. outside which actually this movie would be unbearable if it weren't for the ambient noise of the neighborhood outside and I noticed that quite a bit. Huh. There was always somebody running around outside or breaking bottles or an yeah. ambulance going by huh. or something like that. And, um, uh, yeah, the spook level would have been off the charts were it not for the normal sounds that yeah. were happening. But anyway, yeah, the, all the scares in this were very effective. Yeah. Um, and it, it gets pretty surreal pretty quick. Um, I can't remember... Oh, yeah. So he's like looking in the wall and behind him is like like a bloated corpse that's probably been bloated from being in the sea. So it's you ask yourself the question is like, oh, is he being like haunted um, from his experience in the boat wreck? And is this is this PTSD? There's like a there's yeah. it's very simple symbolic of PTSD to a lot of this stuff. To where it's like you you witnessed horrors and yes. you can't just you can't just move on from that without having baggage. Like no matter how hard you try, you are you still have that in you that you need to process. Yes, it's interesting 
because this movie does break down into um, pretty quickly. You're you're left with the idea of the quote unquote horror that is present in this movie can be explained by two things. Kind of the overarching thing being PTSD, but uh-huh. but then the much more apt uh, description would be survivor's guilt. Mm, yeah, um, which is like I got so such strong feelings of from both of them of yeah. just being like overwhelmed with this concept of like we don't deserve to yeah. have been the ones to make it and the the things that you do to survive. Oh yes, yeah, and and how those lead to survivor's guilt, right. like very like it's like <sighs> I did these things. I had to do them to survive, but yeah, it makes me a bad person. Kind if I of, did too. not do it, I would die, but I have to live with those things anyways, because I'm alive. So, yeah. Uh, Bull is bought into this whole concept of fitting in. He really wants to. And then his first outing, um, he has a good experience. He finds some kind citizens. He's, they are at a church and they like like hey you're one of those refugees i got something for you yeah and instead of stabbing him in the gut they give him like a care package full of like toothbrushes and soap and stuff yeah it's like really and this stuff uh, that's one of the things that uh remy weeks talked about is that he wanted to represent you know it's not a black and white thing it's not like xenophobia versus refugees there are good people and this happens all the time like in every City, there's a church that helps homeless people. You know, there's churches, there's people that actually care and are doing, like, great things. Not only are there good people and there are bad people, but there are bad people who do good things and good people who do bad things. Right. And dicks who are nice. (laughs) You know, this thing of, like, well, if you believe this, you're my enemy. Well, that... Is exactly the kind of thing that leads to the kind of conflict that these two had to escape. Right. This this thought process that things are only black and white leads to you killing your neighbor. Right. And that's bad. Yep. Yeah. I wish I wish the ability to deal with cognitive dissonance was was uh, higher in society in general. I mean, I'm just being it, able to hold two concepts in your head at once without. You know, yeah, without simplifying it, the, it's like you know what, they are diametrically opposed to this philosophical ideal compared to me, but we have so much in common, right? Like that's that doesn't mean you have to hate him or whatever. Right. So yes, it's this it's a it's a it's a scourge on humanity, and it's an indication that you're not that you're not you, education has failed you. Your education yeah. uh, is is lacking if if you believe that everybody who believes X is bad. And that yeah. goes for people who hate. Uh, that's a, This goes for religion, especially religion and politics. These two things are the most yeah. uh, divisive. divisive and diabolical separators of people in, in the world. I mean, that's like literally the definition of politics is those differences. Yeah. Like that's. That's what it is, is the un, the unreconcilable uh, differences in society where people divide themselves. Yeah. 
Yeah, I wish there had been a little... This movie did a good job of that, of, of being like, look, there are good people in bad situations mm-hmm. and bad people in good situations and, and that kind of thing. And I wish there had been more because the, because the stuff that was there was... It was nice. Yeah. You know, it was like, oh, okay, there's hope. Yeah. So, Riel experiences is different. Um, she really experiences some xenophobia on her first outing, and she is definitely leaning towards um, staying connected with their home culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and she she goes to her first outing is to basically go to the doctors. Once she arrives, like there's a nice nurse and, and is basically like saying yeah. like, you know, how, how's it going? You doing good? You know, having just come from being mocked and, and like vilified for yeah. being a refugee, yeah. you know? And so she's kind of like, I'm done with this shit already. Yeah. And, um, uh, the nurse is like, Oh, that's pretty. Like talking about her necklace or, which I think gets no reaction, and then says like, "Oh, I like your scars." She has like these scars next to her eyes. Yeah, there. Yeah, this culture is one. Uh, one of these tribes, at least uh, from South Sudan, does you know body marking. Of, yeah, body like, scarification. Yeah. So, and that's when she opens up to the nurse and says, "Yes, these I got when I was a little girl." And then after my family was, my entire family was murdered, I gave this to myself and showed these scarification, you know, designs on her arm. He says, because um, these are from the the tribe that killed my family, and these are from my tribe. And so I scarred myself up this way so that yeah. they they would think I'm with them. Yeah, so that neither side could could own me, and I could and I could fit in with either side because yeah, she, otherwise I'm at risk of yeah. being killed by one side or the other. Yeah, the defining quote of her character comes at that moment, and she says, "I survive by belonging nowhere." Right. So she's that, like, "That's brutal." Yeah, I mean, she. That's the difference between her and Bull. Is is Bull like wants to wants to have a place? He wants yeah. to belong. And uh, Rial recognizes that she'll never belong. She doesn't have anywhere. Well, it's and it's even it's even deeper than that. It's I like she's resigned herself to belonging nowhere. And that's how she will survive. Right. She's she's done belonging somewhere because that's how you end up dead. Right. Yeah. (sighs) And these these differences are are on display during one of these dinner scenes we already talked about where she's still, you know, laying down, like sitting down on the floor. She's using bread to, to pick up, you know, other food, you know, in a traditional way. And when bull comes, he's like, well, next time let's, let's use the table. And, you know, and he brings out the fork and knife and he's like, you gotta belong. And she's like, and you can feel the disdain from her at this. This is the moment that it really starts where she's just like, you're. It's so strange because now this is this has got me thinking a little bit because we just got done saying she has resigned herself to belonging nowhere. And yet she's committed to she's committed to maintaining the traditions of her culture, you know, and he he is not. He's like, let's assimilate. Right. But he wants to belong he wants to belong to this new place and she doesn't kind of. I mean both of them are equally reasonable. Yeah. It's not like she's trying to bring 
like the civil war with her. You know, no. it's not she, like no. she's trying to, um, you know, it's not like she yearns for living in South Sudan. Right. It's that this is her. This is like actually her. And she, you know, the journey and like all the trauma that they've had to feel is just to be able to live. Yeah. Like she just wants to live. She doesn't want to feel bad about who she is. She doesn't want to change herself. She just wants to exist. Yeah. As herself. And Bowl, the same, same thing. Like he wants to live and he wants to make it work. And if that takes changing yourself and, and conforming to, um, societal pressure and societal norms in the new society, he's, he's up for it. Yeah. And it's like, uh, there's a trade off. You know, Rial talks about while she's eating with the fork, she's like, all I taste is the metal. Yeah. And he's like, well, you get used to it, which is one of those things where like, yeah, I guess you probably do taste the fork. To us, it's like just white noise. You don't taste anything. But if you, if you were to like take a second to notice it, like you'd be like, oh yeah, I do taste metal. It's like when you drink water out of a plastic cup versus like a metal cup versus glass. Isn't it strange how there's, how other cultures maintain a sense of pride for continuing their cultural norms? Um, and, and I wouldn't. If I were to go someplace, I would immediately be embarrassed by my cultural norms and I would try very hard to adopt the the norms of the place that I went because I hold no um pride in my fork and spoon and knife. None none. If I were to go and and uh you know go try to to live the rest of my life in China, I would I would try to do the thing whatever they did. I uh-huh. I would be like Let's just try and do that. Oh yeah, I mean, I, th- I think to and an I extent, would be embarrassed by my my cultural like upbringing. I'd be like, really? Yeah, I I, I, f- I feel like it would be a point of um, b- because I have I I hold no there's no value to it I, t- to me. It doesn't uh, it doesn't um, it's not inherently good. No, uh, I mean I I would. I mean I think. I mean, there's a difference between being an ugly American and being in like a someone else's house or a restaurant and being like, do you have forks and knives when, when they don't use sure. them? Yeah. Where that's like, okay, come on, dude. Like, like when in Rome, but there's a difference of like, if you're going to live there and you have your own house and your own family that grew up in America, like, yeah, I would see nothing wrong with having forks and knives in my own house. Yeah. And like, I wouldn't be embarrassed if other people came over. Of course I'd have like their utensils but it'd be like this is us like this is this is this is me and it's valid like i think it may boil down <laughs> to like a, a Patton oswald sketch that i listened to and really resonated with me which was something about kfc he's like <laughs> the sadness bowl <laughs> the sadness bowl is <laughs> like they just put mashed potatoes and corn niblets and and gravy and chicken into a big bowl and make you scoop it in your mouth like a trough and it's like yeah that's america uh-huh. <laughs> it's like that's gross it's, there's no value in that really it's just like gratuitous gratuitous uh slovenliness so that's the thing about going to another culture is you don't realize what makes your culture unique until you see the contrast yeah like yeah i mean we're if you're to ask americans like is there an american culture you feel like no we're just void of but there is we're yeah 
We're like, there's nothing of value in America. It's fake. It's Hollywood. It's all like capitalism and stuff. But really, if you move somewhere, you realize like, oh, Americans are really friendly. Yeah. Like they they love talking to other people. They're loud. Yeah. <laughs> they um, are very optimistic. Uh, without with no reason for it <laughs> right they're very optimistic and they're very entrepreneurial yes that that is so stark it's unbelievable um uh the and only it's, the it's only built pl- into my brain yeah to be entre- entrepreneurial and i talk to um people from other from other countries and uh and i don't get that in fact i get the sense that it's shameful to feel that way almost. well it's sometimes the uh, the, Depends where you're talking to. The I safety guess. and security of of business in other countries is is more important. So, you know, you go to France or, or somewhere where it's more socialist in in um, nature. It's a lot harder to start a business. Yeah, it's just a lot harder because to start a business, you gotta like in America, you can like cut corners. You can be like, oh yeah, I can use you know a bunch of rubes. <laughs> As basically slave labor for as long as, you know, possible until I get enough attention to where that's a bad idea. Yeah. Slave labor. Let's, uh, that's, a, that's being a bit dramatic. I mean, what do you call interns? <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's, there's laws around what you can use interns for, but no one like pays attention to them and everyone looks past it. It's like, that's a good point. You're not supposed to be an intern unless you're not doing something that's important. Yeah. <laughs> you're supposed to be learning, but people use interns to do shit work. Do we still give the interns Glocks? <laughs> <laughs> a little so, Steve Zissow there for you. So, um, there's that. And the only, I'll, I'll have to say the only place that I've ever seen that is, way more entrepreneurial mm. is africa like, oh my god going, going to ghana yeah like ghana nigeria like they are whew, i mean they are hustling yeah they they like you're not you're not like doing the normal thing unless you have at least like three side hustles Couples, a couple hustles yeah. no one cares about their main job it's like yeah you get the main job to pay the bills like you get the side businesses to live yeah. your life and mm-hmm. do what you want which is like how it should be here yeah and because it's it holds true anywhere it's like yeah you can you can have security and you can do you know your professional job but if you really want to like have some walking around money do, do your own thing yeah so anyways um yeah it's it's good to see different cultures cultural differences are great um Real starts seeing shit too. Um, they both. It, she I mean, sees it for what it is pretty quick. Yeah, she sees it for what it is, and and she pretty quickly confronts Bull and, and says like, "This is what happened," <laughs> and she tells this story, um, you know, from her village where a poor man in her village who accidentally stole from an apeth by the river. An apeth is a night witch. A peth. Uh, a peth. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when the thief built his home. The Apeth moved in with him and haunted him. Rial believes that the an Apeth has followed them uh, from the sea, and if they repay their debt, the Apeth will bring Nyagak back to them. So, yeah, Apeth is, or a night witch is haunting them, and she, like, 
she like totally accepts it and is on board with this and she's like talking to it. <laughs> she's yeah. like, like, Oh yeah, it's just me and the night, which we're just talking about how we're going to, you know, how we're going to, you know, move back to Sudan <laughs> yeah. and get our daughter. And bowl is like not having any of this. He's like, listen, you superstitious nonsense person. Like yeah. we're going to make this work. I'm just going to fix the lights, turn on the lights. We'll be fine. <laughs> There's so many great, sequences in this it's it's hard to like i mean it, it's one after the other after the other i mean the incidental like normal life scenes are pretty pretty few and far between it mostly is based at night while they're being haunted right and there's some great surreal sequences there's a great scene where bowl is being like sir he he's just finished like wiring up Mm-hmm. to where getting getting the lights to work which is you know a ridiculous <laughs> benchmark to have <laughs> and uh he's being like surrounded by these you know sea corpses and, like there are zombies coming after him while being haunted by like this weird dark version of Nyagak um that's like you know threatening to stab him and stuff and they're swarming in on him and every time he turns on the lights they disappear but you can he still knows they're there and so it's like an lights on lights off kind of thing yeah yeah which is kind of a a, a horror trope in a recent years yeah i think uh yeah glitter Light, lights glitter, out glittercore uh, has mentioned how her husband is annoyed how many times we use the word trope oh i and don't so, think we use it that often i think do we i think i'm just going to have to use it over and over again mm. well, I just to bother i um, i don't think he listens to the show does he I think he does. Oh, okay. Well, I think she listens to it all the time, so he, ah, ipso facto. There you go. Um, <clears throat> she's wait. What? She has um some defining characteristics about her. Oh yeah, she is. Um, you know, if I was to describe her, or if she was to describe herself, she would say. I mean, I have big tits and a tiny vagina. Mm-hmm. So um. Wait. You know, that's if you really want to paint a mental picture. Just I mean, I have big tits and a tiny vagina. Can I get bringed if I he had a comdom on? <laughs> I am pregnant to last five weeks, so can I start sex? That vagina won't be that small for long. <laughs> get pregante. Get pre-gap. <laughs> um, so. I said before, like, she says the line, after all we've seen, you think we we could be afraid of ghosts. That's another, like, defining quote of, like, this is what the movie's about, you know. Um, Bull refuses to accept that it's true that there's a night witch. And he slowly gets, like, driven mad. He burns all their old belongings because he thinks that they're haunted, that they, they... they're attached to their old belongings. Oh, great. We got 75 pounds a day, and you're burning all of our shit in the front foyer? Yeah. Great. And he's, like, he's going crazy. He's, like, hitting the walls with hammers. Cause, oh, that's the other part is, like, they're all crawling around in, in the walls and peeking through all the holes in the walls and stuff. And so he's trying to, like... A lot of which he creates. Yeah. He, he, he's been bashing, hammering through the walls to, like... To, to like find to, to like try and find it's hard to tell exactly what he's doing some he sometimes he pulls things from the walls like dream things yeah there's like wires and stuff and he'll pull it and all of a sudden it'll turn into a rope with seaweed on it and, yeah. and stuff it's really surreal it eventually gets to the point where he requests to be uh put in a new place which is like 
everyone around him, all the apathetic white social workers are like, you're making waves, bro. This is not going to, this is not going to look good. Let me tell you. They're like, what's wrong? He's like, uh, rats. There's lots of rats. Then they go to his house and they're like, rats destroyed your house with a hammer. And he's like, yes. (laughs) And so he like invites drama by asking them to like relocate him. Because that means they got to come, they got to do a report, and then all of a sudden it's a thing. And Matt Smith, war- the the character that Matt Smith plays, warns him about this. He's like, "Do you really want to go down this road? I can make waves for you, but that means it's going to call attention to you, and there's going to be a report written, and it's not going to look good for you, probably." Right. And you know, I mean, theoretically, I mean, technically, he's not wrong. Right. Uh, Bolt did this, did all this. Oh yeah, and, shit. like he had, he annihilated his own apartment. And that's the thing, like. Looking at it through the caseworker's perspective, where they've seen everything, right. and they've seen people... I mean, that house is probably trashed by other, you know, refugees. Decades just like, of, of... You know, uh, fuck this thing in particular, yeah. you know, because they just either don't... I don't know. I mean, there's there's so many things that go into it. It's like the hopelessness of your situation and the, the apathy that you're feeling about your situation is like, yeah, fuck this wall, you know, yeah. or like, I got to plug in this thing or power this thing. So, well, I guess I'll just rip out these light, you know, power cords and stick it on this thing. Well, and you know, there's an aspect of like, if you're given something, you don't treat it as nicely as if it's something that is yours. And that, right. You know, right. If you don't take it on. So they come and they see like this place is, utterly trash like like a the angriest tenant that's being evicted destroyed mm-hmm. you know yeah it's 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 pretty well annihilated and you know while he's talking like matt smith is like you don't look good you don't smell good like all these things are just like baseline listen we are judging you like we are judging you whether you are normal and whether you're going to fit in. It's our job, and literally. If, if you smell like shit and you look like shit and you're acting crazy and you're destroying things, like it's not good for you. Yeah, it's just not good. But it's it's done with like a. It's so it's I mean not really subtle, but you can tell Matt Smith is really trying to care. Like he's yeah he's seen it, but he has empathy and he knows like. He understands. Right. And, but he also understands, like, this can be hopeless. Like, this cannot, sometimes does not work out. Right. And it's tragic. And, you know, there's only so much I can do. I mean, do. the kindest thing you can do for someone in that situation is square with them. You yeah. know? It's yeah. just be like, look, the honest to God truth right now, it's not looking good for you. Right. You gotta shape up or we're literally going to ship you out. Yeah. And there's... Nothing I can do because I'm just a little cog in a big machine that is built specifically to look real closely at you and go, is he chill? And if you're not fucking chill, sorry. Yeah. Like, you get spit out. So, Bull, oh man, that's a great, that's a great scene in the, in the, uh, at the government building because he's like, He's trying to yeah. put on the best face. He's like really, but he can't bring himself to smile. Like he's just like, he looks, which is impressive from someone that's survived the terrors of a war torn civil war country. And he's like, this is, 
the amount of stress that he's feeling where he like crushes the glass of orange juice that he's holding just from the intensity of his of his uh his emotion his emotions yeah you know? I, I can relate yeah <laughs> so um they eventually both get gets to the point where he's going to confront this night witch yeah and so he lights a candle which is also a no-no i don't know if you if that set off alarms for you because one of the rules they say is like you don't don't light a candle don't don't have pets or animals in here like they gave him a bunch of rules oh, okay. that they could do in the house and one of them was don't light a fire ever I, <laughs> and so he he put a candle in the middle of the room and i'm like that thing's gonna catch fire and they're gonna he's gonna have a big old burn spot in the middle of his house and their social workers are gonna come I'm like this shit now um wow. but anyways he he lights the candle Fire the night witch appears and gives him kind of the the ultimatum or, or like the thing that he wants which is like give me your body kill yourself with this knife and i will give you back Nyagak. yeah and bull realizes like oh he wants me to do it because he can't he can't touch me yeah like there's nothing he can do to harm me so it's like he he realizes like well no i'm not you're powerless against me and then the the night witch is like okay All and right. then immediately like transports his mind this dream it's basically like a freddy krueger kind of thing it's like okay i can't hurt you but I can make you see some horrible shit that you're never going to you're not going to want to live through. Yeah, I'm going to dr- I can drive you insane with my powers. Um, um, yeah. And w- well, doesn't he doesn't he show him the bus scene? OK, so at this point, um, we. Towards the end, we're shown what actually happened in South Sudan. Right. The, and the so journey to get here because the setup and there's kind of a wink at it when when Rial is recounting the you know, fable about the night, Witch, which is the guy in that story stole something from the night, Witch, and there's kind of like an understanding or a knowing look between them of like, he's coming for you to get justice. Right. You know? And so there's something that bold did horror movie talk listeners buckle up. Yeah. So there's something that bold did that he deserves this. It's not just random chance. Right. And so it shows them, um, and it's mostly from Riel's um, perspective because she's being haunted too and she's being like courted basically by this night witch too because the other option is she can kill Bull and get Yegak back and she sees these visions of her previous life and kind of like a loving group of of women and her old tribe you know sitting around and just, being supportive in a group of for her yeah and it quickly turns where she realizes, like, no, this isn't right. And then it shows why is that oh, it, it's hey, in it's in the. Am I pregnant or am I okay? <laughs> they they show her hiding inside a cabinet in the same schoolroom that she was just in with all these people, and Bull comes, you know, as she crawls out. And he's like, and we're like, we got to go. And as they're walking out the door, the camera pans and you see all of those people that were sitting around being supportive, murdered and being shot to shit with, with machine, like an utter scene scene of genocide. It was a massacre. And, um, they run out and there's, you know, 
there's like roving they, tribal gangs, you know, that are basically murdering everyone around, setting people on fire, and and they're like murdering them with knives and guns. And Bull and Real are like hiding on roofs and stuff to to get away. And in there, and and in there, you know, at night they 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 flee the city that they're from, and um, and they walk through the desert. And uh, and finally, uh, toward the morning, they see a bus where yeah. a bunch of people are congregating around this bus. Yeah, this is the scene that's going to stick with me. This bus scene is the defining scene of the movie to me because yeah, it's brutal. They're they're at this bus and they just reach the door and the the lady that's letting people on the bus is like we're full, we can't take any more. And they're like, but we're, I mean, imagine all those people outside the bus. The reality is like, they either get on this bus or they die. Literally. It's going to happen. going to be hacked to bits, lit on fire, or shot. Because there's like, down the road, a couple Jeeps. On the way. On the way with people, you know, loaded to bear. And she... They're, they see that the lady lets on one more like little child or this woman and child. And so, you know, because it's a little child. And yeah, so, so Bull is like looking around. He's like, what? And I he need sees, a, I need a kid. He sees this this girl, um, which we've seen before was Nyagak. Nyagak or their daughter. But who we thought up until this point, we believed to be her, their daughter. Yeah. But for some reason, she hasn't been with him. And Nyagak was calling out for her mommy, and Bull, like, grabs her, takes advantage of the situation. He grabs her and he's like, "It's it's us. We're a family. Like we're, you know, she's just a girl." And then, um, they get on the bus. So Bull, Rial, and and Nyagak, their newly adopted daughter, and kidnapped daughter, kidnapped daughter. It's horrifying because Nyagak's mom. Starts yelling outside the bus for Nigak, and Nigak is calling out for her mom. Um, I mean, they basically kidnapped this little girl to survive to be able to get on this bus, and then they get on the truck where that we saw in the beginning, and and uh, Rial promises to keep her safe. I mean, the reality is like like yes, uh, well, but but the bus drives away, and the insinuation is her mom is slaughtered, right? As they drive away. So the thing is, like, it's horrifying. It, you feel like that is, I don't know. I mean, you can't even say it's a shitty thing to do because the reality is, like, Nyagak would not have survived if that didn't happen. Kind of, it kind of numbs me out. Like, I'm pretty, it's utterly, like, pretty numb. Yeah, it's, um, the darkest, it's nihilistic. It's just utterly, like, Hopeless. But also <laughs> full of hope, full yeah. of hope. It's this. It's the weirdest feeling watching this. And then there, it shows them on the on the boat, and the they get in a wreck, and then Yigak drowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so they had failed in their promise to yeah. to keep her safe. So that's what the night witch was coming after him for: is that they stole a woman's child to save themselves, mm-hmm. and the child died. And so for justice, he's coming after him. And so Bull, there's a scene where it's like, will they, won't they? <laughs> In terms of will Rial kill Bull or will Bull kill himself? And, uh, spoiler, the the decision is Bull 
cuts himself to let in the Night Witch. And this is another just fantastic scene is the Night Witch basically trying to put on Bull as a skin suit, starting with his arm. Yeah. And it's like he like crams his finger into the into the wound. Yeah. His fingers and they start to like meld with him. Yeah. And then Rial decides to murder the Night Witch, which works somehow. Just like, well, if that was an option. Why didn't they do that in the first place? Um, so in the end, they've, you know, exercised the demon and are left back in the home as themselves. And there's this kind of middle ground where you see the social workers coming and checking up on them again. They fixed like all the holes in the wall, but it yeah. still looks shitty. Cause yeah. I mean, how much can you do on $75 a week? And, uh, the social workers are like, well, I mean, they can't do that, but you know, basically we're willing to give them a second chance. And it, by appearances, like there's kind of a middle ground where real is like, she wants to stay too. And bull is, from appearances is like, he's accepting that he's still of South Sudan, that he's still like, part of that culture that he's not going to be able to completely divorce himself from it. Yeah. And it's, (laughs) I mean, I was crying at the end. I don't know about you, but like from that, from those scenes of the, of South Sudan up to the end, it was just like, it's intense. Yeah. It's, um, It uh, really highlights something that I wish, you know, I mean, I think everybody wishes just uh, just wasn't real. Yeah. You know, which is. Well, and we avoid it at all is, costs. Like when you talk about immigration, whether it's, you know, immigration at the south border of the U.S. of, you know, South Americans or, or people that from Sudan. It's like when you see something like this we, where you really understand what is happening. Like the. All you want to do is go out and just like, I want to save all these people. I want to make this work. But when you talk about it from like a political standpoint, it's like, well, we can't just let all these people in. Like we can't, we can't just give all these people free, whatever. Right. And that's, that's the power of this movie is that it really, really tells this story that's happening all the time in a very empathetic way, in a way that's like elevated to force you to like really Mm -hmm. like get it embedded in your soul that this is horrifying. Like what's going on is the worst thing that's possible Mm -hmm. on the planet. Yeah. And you think that that's like, that's in the past, like genocide and stuff that happened. We learned from that. Like we've we've gotten past that. It's like no, it's happening right now. This is something I've been saying for eight months. <laughs> like it's it scares me to think about where our country is right now, um, and and you know the the veil of society is thin, and um, and you know I've been to some. Some places that um, have shown me, uh, have highlighted my my respect for how nice the place that I live is. Right. You know, you can talk a lot of trash 
about the United States, but um, let let me tell you if you've <laughs> if you've ever been to some some real sad or scary places. Uh, what we have here is special, and anybody who lives in a place that is stable, and if you're listening, frankly, if you're probably, if you're listening to this podcast, you have a lot to be thankful for. Yeah. Uh, not the fact that <laughs> you can specifically listen to my beautiful voice, but the fact that um, you have some free time to not have to worry about yeah. whether or not you're going to be eating or safe. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, like, from... When I was a kid, my my dad took us to... And people's desire to be violent with each other or to hate each other is bad. Yeah. (laughs) It is bad. It's poison. It is human poison. Yeah. um, Yeah. I mean, it shows like... Do not vilify the others. There is a social contract because in places where there's not, it's horrifying. Um, I mean, that's the thing that I learned, you know, in my younger years too when my parents would take us to third world countries it's like you realize like oh this is what actual poverty is this is what this is how bad it can be and even the things that we saw were not the worst that those countries had Mm -hmm. to offer yeah but if you talk about and it's a weird relativistic thing and you know it's not not to like not be empathetic towards poor people in america but the poorest of the poor in this country are not going to starve to death. It's just impossible. You can't starve to death in the U.S. Yeah, I mean, and quite frankly, you're going to pro- the likelihood of you being overweight is pretty yeah, high if yeah. you're poor. And, you know, you're not going to be pursued by roving gangs of, like, yeah. murderers. You know, right. it's like there is not a... Yet. There's a baseline stability here that you take for granted and you you don't realize what other people are going through. Yeah. So anyways, who's <laughs> who would you recommend this this uh horrifying and depressing yet somehow uplifting experience to? Um you got to be you got to be uh If you've made it through this and it sounds it look, I mean, so like I'm I'm a fan of things that uh that are extreme. Uh-huh. Just generally speaking, I always want to see more than I should uh-huh. or hear more than I should or whatever. And uh that bites me fairly rarely because of how jaded I am. Um but sometimes it does bite me. And mm-hmm. um but I, I think, generally speaking, those bites usually, like in this case, it's good. Yeah. Like, it's it was a good thing to have happened. It was just unpleasant. Yeah. So if that sounds like a time to you, um, <laughs> then go for it. I mean, I think I think everyone should, everyone that listens to this podcast should see this movie. Like. It would not surprise me if it did show up in. Also, if 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 your thing is is awards, you know, like yeah. film awards or that kind of thing, if you want to stay up on it, it wouldn't surprise me if this was nominated. Yeah, I mean it's it's on another level. Like it's right. it's worth seeing. I mean, if you're, yeah, but also I mean, it doesn't have it doesn't have that strange feeling of like it doesn't have that strange feeling of being like. 
super independent. It doesn't yeah. have like a real indie feel, yeah. which is a lot of times associated with these some sometimes uh, called preachy right. films, yeah. which is good, I think. Yeah. I I haven't seen like a quote unquote preachy film that uh, that's the thing. Like it's I, I can't even say I, that it's preachy. It kind of had a ladybird tinge to it, you know, yeah. of like this veneer of high budget, uh-huh. um, but also like kind of trope following. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, it does it does a lot of things different. Yeah, it's that very I, that it, I'm interested in how you know why why and how they chose that. Yeah, I think the greatest thing about it is it feels very new and very unique, but it's also very familiar. Like it's not Yeah. yeah. It's it's at its core still a haunted house movie. And mm-hmm. if you love haunted house movies, you'll love it. Um but if you want something new, if you don't want to see the same haunted house movie. If you don't want to see just like, okay, here's another interpretation of the turn of the screw. <laughs> like, here's the f- fifth one this year. <laughs> then you can see something like this. Like, it's it's really hard to be creative and innovative in this genre. Yeah. Sometimes it's just like film technique. I mean, if you look at paranormal activity, mm-hmm. it's like, in essence, that's the same thing as poltergeist. Yeah. You know? Mm-hmm. there's There's not anything new in the world, but... Um, in this case, it, it feels so unique and so new and fresh. Yeah. It's like, uh, well, it's, I thought this often is it's, it's like Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. But with like yes. a horror, like a strong intentional, um, uh, um, uh, paranormal, mm-hmm. um, aesthetic. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but it is like Hotel Rwanda. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's our final recommendations. Let's move on. <laughs> Welcome to the Hotel Row. Um, all right. Well, on that note, let's play horror porno. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this is a game. That, this is one of our most beloved games. We realized that the sound of stabbing and squishy gore mm. is sometimes indistinguishable from the sounds of squishiness in pornography. Yeah, with those giant boobs and yeah. those tiny vaginas. You got, like, screaming. You got... I mean, I have big tits and a tiny vagina. You got stabbing. Like motions, no over and over again. How can Ugo being pregnant to get an abortion? And you know, squishiness. You got boobs, boobies, tits, titties, tickle bitties, uh, <laughs> machines. So we've got six clips. Oh no! Do we have a tiebreaker? Um, no. Okay. So right. we might we might tie. I do have a quick question for you. Can U bleed while U are pergert? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay, so we'll go through here, and uh, you know it's surprisingly hard. Like I said, like the sounds are very similar. Yeah. So yeah, 
Here's clip one. Okay, wait. So I have to guess whether or not this comes from a porno or a horror movie, and I get an extra point if I can guess the the, the name of the thing. Right, right, okay, right. Okay, 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 okay. It's harder than you think. I know. Okay. That's what she said. Um, okay, wait. Uh, I'm going to need to hear that again. Yeah, it's kind of hard to hear. Some of these aren't the best audio. Mm. But, you know, I mean, there's not a high production budget in horror or porno no. sometimes. Yeah. You know? yeah. Okay, so... At the start, I heard a squish, and then I heard, like, a gasp about mm, three-quarters of the way through. And then I think I heard, at the end, a, like, a car door close. Um, or it might have been, like, a thud or something. It has str- – because of the music, mm. uh, the music a lot of times gives them away. Sometimes when I do horror porno, I strip the music out, yeah. which is – a grueling process and one of the reasons why you don't hear horror or porno very mm-hmm. often because it's a time-consuming thing to set up. But I'm going to say, with that, I'm going to say this is a horror movie and I'm going to guess... I don't remember there being a lot of music in Phantasm, but I'm going to guess maybe Phantasm? Sorry. This was actually a pornographic film. What? This was Sperminator. <laughs> Based off of Terminator. I, that's incredible. I I can't believe that. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's hard. It's hard to do these things. I mean, Sperminator. All right. Here's, here's the next clip. You'll see. Yeah. Please spread it for me, Cal. There we go. See, see how it's. It's actually the highest amount of capsaicin you're legally allowed to have in an ointment. Damn. It just sort of slowly gets worse as we wait. Jerking off to your tears. Help me. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. No. Yes. Horror or porno? I feel. I feel like that was more jarring <laughs> than his house. Uh, I'm. Can I hear that again? <laughs> 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 that's a long uh, one. We probably shouldn't play it again. Oh, wow. So at the start, he was saying that's the highest amount of capsaicin. That's legally allowed in, in an, an ointment. ointment. And then and then there's some weird, like, musical crescendo or, or something. Yeah. That was horrific. And then crying. And then it's like, I just want to watch you suffer. That sounds like, frankly, that sounds like a... Like a uh, 
clip of somebody being murdered. Like, <laughs> I listen to a lot of bands that have clips of people actually being murdered. Like, there's this one band called Fluids, uh -huh. and then another one called Dragged Into Sunlight, and they have a lot of clips of... Yeah. Um, yeah, that, ah, man, that seems, but it does seem also a lot like porn. Um, I mean, they do mention jerking off. Yeah, it seems, okay, I'm going to go porno because it seems like, I mean, there's a lot of porn that I don't watch, and this would fall under it, but it seems like some of that, um, um, you know, I don't know what it's called, mean porno? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Owie porno. Like literal torture porn. Yeah. Mm. Gross. Okay. Well, so that's, that's a, my guess. That's a really good guess, but you're wrong. This was from Goosebumps 2. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. That was from Goosebumps 2? Yeah. Uh, uh, but it just... <laughs> it doesn't seem... That was like an evil puppet doing that to one of the main characters. Oh. Danger Ops, Prangent Sex, Will It Hurt Baby Top of His Head? Well, so it was 0 for 2. Goosebumps 2? Let's go for let's go for the next one. It was clip. it was 2. Yeah, you probably haven't seen that one. I haven't seen any of them. There's some pretty intense shit in that. I don't believe you. Like I, f I feel like I'm a trick is being played on me. All right, here's here's another clip. I can't, I can't hold it. Okay, so that has strong horror movie vibes. Mm. I think anybody listening is going to be is going to. Okay, can I can I hear it one more time? Okay, the beginning he says he can't hold it. I'm, I'm going to choke, and then towards the end he's. Like, I'm gonna I'm gonna drop it, and then and then something happens. I assume to his head or neck. Mm. So definitely a horror movie. That's number one. Um, I God, I was just thinking about something like this. Is it Castle Freak? I'm like ninety three. This is. I'm sorry, David. You're just like what? You are not getting these. This is a porno. No, this is from The Sexorcist. <laughs> Where do you find these? I just gotta look for them. The I mean, it's the same sexorcist? thing. It's the same thing with Lifetime or Horror. It's like you gotta find the ones that are just right on that razor's edge. Yeah, could it, be I mean, one. you're definitely right about that, yeah. but it just seems unlikely. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know. Next clip. Have I gotten one? You have not gotten one. Jesus. I'm sorry. That's like I said. It's a hard game. I, I I feel really good that I've set this up. Did most you women feel pregnant before find out? <laughs> Uh, number five, number four. That's a fart sound. Okay. <laughs> Girlfriend ain't had periods since she got pre-gas. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Horror or porno? 
that's the most confusing clip that you've played yet. <laughs> Is it? Because it has this overtone of like loving, caring music along with a bunch of farting and squishing, <laughs> like very m- mucusy sounding. Mm. Hmm. I have the weirdest boner right now. <laughs> That's definitely a porno, but I can't work out what the fuck kind of porno that would be. I um, yeah, yeah, porno. I think you should go against your initial inclinations on the next round because you are wrong again. Wow. This is from the blockbuster Jaws. That's not from Jaws. It is. It's when they're cutting open the shark and Richard Dreyfus throws up. Shut the fuck up. That there were like fart sounds you and like obviously put it in my mouth. You don't recognize the obvious John Williams score, but all right. Well, we'll we'll move on. I'm sure you can get at least one. I'm I mean, you've angry. lost you've lost the game. I'm getting angry. You've definitely lost the game, but maybe maybe you can get one or two. Here's the this second is, second to last. Clip. Oh, okay. This is the fifth. <laughs> A lot of sheathing, like shing shing, sounds like a knife, and mm. obviously a decapitation mm. of some variety. Now hold on, I mean, just take a beat. I'm doing what you're gonna. I'll, okay. I'll do what you said to do because, but I, I want to. For the record, I want to say that sounds. I mean, it very obviously sounds like a horror movie, very obviously. But I'm, I'm just gonna say, uh, I'm gonna go against my better judgment and say that is a porno. Now, I don't know what it could fucking possibly be other than maybe you know how some of the pornos are like real true like a lot of them are just like a setup and that's what the movies the porno is named after it's like Mm -hmm. pizza delivery guy shows an inner butt for and uh and then and then it's like ham pizza delivery guy and then the rest is nothing about a pizza delivery guy it's just sex Mm -hmm. this could be like one of those ones like pirates where the Mm. whole thing is a really so Mm. i'm porno but i don't know so swashbuckling porn well not necessarily pirates specifically on this one maybe it's like more of a horror vibe all right so you're going with porno yeah all right well good good impulse because this is a porno i okay this was from ghost lusters Ghost lusters. And this in this scene it was one of those fuck machines. So that's like what you're hearing. Oh, that's it's kind the, of a mechanical the sound. Metal sound yeah. came from. Mm-hmm. The okay. Gears. All right. Okay, last right. one. So you got one for one for five. Let's see if you can tag on one more. Last clip. Turn color. You ain't fucking me unless you turn color. Yeah, you ain't fucking unless you turn color. Uh, uh, 
watch them thighs fucking shake. Uh, Kill that shit. Uh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> She's fucking good. That's a good girl. That's a good girl. The big dick to take out. Uh, I, I'm the only man. It was a nice podcast we had once. <laughs> this is... What are you talking about? Everyone loves horror porn. Oh. Sabrina, don't just stare at it. Eat it. All right. What are you... Uh... That was... I feel like I just got fucked. Mm. Um, look, he said... I mean, this one's, kind of, this one's kind of unfair. Turn colors if you're fucking me. Mm-hmm. Um, that... I don't even have to explain my reasoning on this mm-hmm, one. Mm-hmm. That's so clearly a porno. I I mean, there's... Go ahead. Tell me I'm wrong. Do you watch a lot of classic films? I don't know what that means. What do you like mean? old, you know, black and white stuff. I don't have any idea where you could be going with this. If you did, you would know that this is a classic horror film. This is from The Bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> No, it's not. It is. I mean, have you seen it? No. This is like one of the most. But iconic I've seen things. Jaws. Yeah, and it was the scene. You remember the scene with Richard Dreyfus and and Ron, whatever his name is, Rob. What's his name? Rob Deerdeck. The skateboarder, the guy, um, cutting open the the tiger shark and all the stuff falling out, and Richard Dreyfus gagging and. I mean, that's what it was from. It's, you just didn't recognize. It's been a while since you've seen Jaws, obviously. But yeah, this one. We from, haven't even reviewed Jaws yet. Can you believe that? No. And or the thing. Okay, we got so called I got, out in the last one. So, yeah, I know. We got uh, one. I got one out of six. I guess we didn't need that tiebreaker. Yeah. So there you go. See how how did you listeners do? Did you follow? Did you play along? Let us know. Do we know? <laughs> no, they did not. Uh, I mean, I have big tits and a tiny vagina. This is what we've become. So that's where we'll leave it. Let's do an outro song for horror porno. Uh, okay. Thank you so much for listening to this weird and disturbing episode. <laughs> um, thanks to all our listeners and anyone new. Um, if you liked the show, whether you're new or not, share it with a friend. Let other people know that there's a cool and hip, funny podcast. <laughs> Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's called Horror Movie Talk. Uh, share with a friend. Leave a review on a platform that has reviews, maybe. Um, also, if you want to support the show, check out our Patreon. Actually, just go to HorrorMovieTalk.com and you'll find lots of ways to support us. Um, remember our uh, sponsor, Manscaped. If you need uh, ball trimming solutions, uh, use code HMT at checkout to get 20% off and free shipping. Uh, special thanks again to Dustin Goble for, well, number one, recommending his house. And also, number two, always doing the 
the featured artwork for each episode. Um, we really appreciate it. You are the rock star. Check him out at dgobel 0 on Instagram. And uh, if you need to leave us a voicemail for, you know, one of the next episodes, call 682-253-4468, and we'll see you next time. Happy holidays. We love you. Bye. Bye, 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 bye. bye. Looking for a podcast full of burps and gas, perverted cast, skinny and fat, look no further. Horror movie talk is accidentally funny, begs to donate money, fake sponsors for dummies, and so much more. New episodes every hump day, they'll pickle your dickle for foreplay. Patreon members have it your way, vote for a movie every month for the review. Chopper chopper, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco, put your tongue through the phone hoodie picasso look at them hot kids swear not a pedo got me too with cosby eating jello pudding pop done gave rice flatulence drain addict addict dave doesn't give a shit one through ten is it horrible or excellent oil me up daddy is dinner rough ten kids bryce hansen Look at them hot kids, Chris Henson. Masturbate with a crucifix, exorcist. Face huggers, chest bursters, alien. Linda Blair peed on Sigourney Weaver. I know it's true, cause it came from social media. Patrick Bateman can't understand you. Stab you to death for rotten apple reviews. Opinionated podcaster with a doctorate. Spook allergy, doctor of philosophy. Gastritis, knee colostomy Turn Patreons into human centipedes David Doobie Day, scare no, no expert A global fucks hard, professional sex After pods, taglines, and porno flicks American Psycho, them guys pretty sick Chopper Chopper, don't just stare at it, eat it like a taco Put your tongue through the phone, hoodie Picasso Look at them hot kids, swear not a pedo me too with Cosby eating jello. Pudding pops done gave rice flatulence. Train addict, addict Dave doesn't give a shit. One through ten, is it horrible or excellent? Oil me up, daddy is dinner rubs. Nothing good happens in the woods. Always get more than you bargain for. Got a pickle to dickle. Machines tickle bitties. Vancouver, Portland, Oregon, and Oregon's Corona, COVID, Curse, Lorona, Green River Killer, because reasons, hallway of poop, monster kids, screaming, ain't your ordinary dingleberry itinerary, 30 day shutter and jump scares, ain't fucking scary, time for the spoilers with jokes and tropes, use their white socks to catch their loads, to show them one titty, pretty, Paganism, you should worship. They Teflon dicks. Pacific Northwest, let them see one breast. Shifty ass, stay spooky. Poor man's digress. Bugsy. HMT. Horror movie talk. Hold on, they don't like Halloween. Fuck them. I'll splice that in.